because the automatic play was on and it just went to the next thing. Oh, oh damn. Um, that was my bad. I am so I sorry. Have headphones. I have no clue what That's okay. Um, so, hello everyone. Sorry about that. You are listening to the Arts Report on CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting live from the traditional unceded Musqueam territory in Vancouver at the UBC Point Grey campus. I'm Lua Prezizu and I'm here with my co-host, Sairawunju. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Um, today we have a very exciting show planned out for you, and well, at least it's very exciting for us because we're really excited to talk about these things. <laughs> yeah. But um, to start off the show, let's talk a little bit about inheritance, uh, pick the path experience. So a pick the path basically means it's a choose your own adventure type of play, mm-hmm. which is something that's really unique. Like how many yeah. times do you find, come across a play that you get to choose what happens to the characters? And we did have a chance to speak to Eugene Crane, who's the their outreach coordinator. Wow, I can't speak today. Uh, about exactly what is inheritance about, and something that I found really funny, and you've probably seen the posters for inheritance around, and now that you're gonna, you know, hear about it, you're gonna be like, oh my god, that cool play. <laughs> um, but something that I found really funny is that um, on the poster, it's like the way that you choose which path. Um, the characters are going to take is with an eye clicker. Oh my, what? Yeah. PTSD. Oh, <laughs> and so, f- as a UBC student. <laughs> I got some thoughts on this. Like, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so oh. we have a new a new person on our <laughs> <Yeah>. show. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Bo. Hi. Okay. <laughs> thoughts on this. And, like, are eye clickers like sixty dollars? Yes, eighty, they, I think. They are very expensive. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least you're getting some use out of it. Some. I had to buy one, just one, last well, year for one class, and I still haven't used it ever since. Okay, you don't have to like buy the eye clicker to go to the show. The show provides <laughs> you with an eye clicker, guys. <laughs> if you have an eye clicker, you can't even use it for anything. <laughs> you just wasted eighty bucks. Congratulations. <laughs> this is called trauma. People. <laughs> Again, this is really funny for you. UBC students because we know like as a first years we usually have to buy these eye clickers when we use it for one class and then we yeah. never use it again and it's very frustrating but I'm sure that it has nothing to do with what this <laughs> play is about I just found it very amusing <laughs> and you know it sounds re- really fun when you don't have like the pressure to like get the question right because there's no right answer it's just like do whatever you want yeah that's nice I mean it's kind of like philosophy class but you can't fail it <laughs> So, well, now with all that, let's actually listen to this interview. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Lua, and I'm here with Eugene Crane, who is the in- Outreach and Engagement Coordinator of the world premiere of the play Inheritance. How are you today, Eugene? I'm awesome, Lua. Thank you. And so what is Inheritance about and what makes Inheritance different is my first question to you. Well, I've never been to a play before that you can choose or you can choose what happens to the play. Like it's an interactive play, like nothing you've ever experienced. It puts the power of the palm, power in the palm of its audience, which gives them both the freedom and the responsibility to choose the actions of the play. I mean, when's the last time you went to a play and you could pick and choose what was going to happen next? I don't think I've ever next. been to a play like that. <laughs> exactly. So that piqued my interest right away, and so yeah, so it puts you into the uh, puts the power into your hands. At key moments, the play is halted, and then you are given multiple choices projected on the screen, and the audience picks the path of the play, which picks the path of the play, ultimately deciding its outcome. 
And so what exactly is the play about? What are we making choices about? Well, it's it's set on, well, the story is it's set on a vast rural estate, an herbal couple, Abby and Noah are the characters, which is Daniel Arnold and Medina Hahn, are on a week-long getaway to visit their father. But when they arrive, they find him missing, and a local indigenous man, Daryl Dennis, Frank, staying there instead. And when it's revealed colonial rights to the entire property up for grab, the audience with electronic voting devices in hand decide what happens next, and who, if anyone, will be the rightful inheritor of this unceded land. It sounds very fascinating, and I think the play really... And, oh, yes. <laughs> sorry, and the comedies. Oh, and it's a comedy? Yes. Oh, that sounds very a comedy, interesting. A comedy with a serious agenda. What's really interesting to me about this entire concept is that it, I think the outcome of this play will come down to the demographics of the space and not the demographics of the audience. And so what do you expect is going to happen once it is, you know, it is on stage and people are there to watch it? Uh, that was something that I thought about myself. So I was thinking, depending if the audience was all like, under 20, the demographic of the the outcome will be, might be different, or if the audience was a bit older, the audience, uh, it might be different. But it seems to be that um, we are having audiences with all different ages. So what happens is when you choose with your electronic device, it takes the outcome of the most picked answers. And we purposely pick different answers, uh, me and my uh, next person who's sitting next to me, and we both said we both pick different answers. But the outcome comes when you, the outcome is picked when you have, they pick the most of what people are, are trying to say. Is there any, like what happens if there's a tie, an equal amount of people vote for two options? That's a very good question. I don't think that's ever happened, but that's <laughs> a very good question. I like that. I hope it happens when I'm there, because I'll be very curious to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get your choice of multiple choices. I mean, you have multiple choices, and we were, we purposely picked the ones that probably wouldn't be the most popular ones, and the outcome was, because of the audience, they picked the most popular ones. And so why do you think this is an important play to be premiering in Vancouver right now and in Canada? And what does it speak to regarding um, land rights? That's a good question. Um, this story was an idea that the writers had uh, in 2011. So the writers were in a play and they talked about this idea. So it's been in development since then. Uh, and now we have, of course, a huge topic that's uh, part of our changing times right now that's huge in the news. Uh, just happens to be, you know, happening at this moment. Um, I think what's happening in the world and in D.C., it shows who... And who uh, who are it shows uh, who you, who who's who and what's happening because uh, you just can't make some of this stuff up. Um, I think it's with the wetting, and I'm the first to bring it up. Is it's showing in the world who are who's what who are who and. Who are the players? Who's affecting who? So is this play partially inspired by real-life events or some of, uh, one of the playwriters' experience or something like that? I think it's a coincidence that it just happened to be happening at the same time. I see. Well, it sounds fascinating. And this play is also done in uh, collaboration with the Vancouver Aboriginal Friendship Centre. Yes, it's an association with the, also with the Vancouver Moving Theater and the Aboriginal, Vancouver Aboriginal Friendship Center as well. And $2 for 
from every ticket goes to the Vancouver Avenue Friendship Center. And so this partnership, what does it mean to the play? Oh, absolutely a lot. It's, um, it's great that we are able to collaborate and able to join forces in producing something. And so I think my final question is, what are you the most excited about regarding the play? And what do you think is going to happen once people, what do you think people are going to take from this play? I think that because it's un, about, well, first of all, it's comedy, and that it's about unceded territory, it brings a new light to the topic, a huge topic of, of our changing of our changing times, um, and that maybe people will be apt to become more educated and. Hopefully that reconciliation will, it'll help, uh, it'll help with reconciliation. I hope so too. I mean, it is, sounds like a fascinating play, a comedy that's a choose your own adventure that's dealing with so, uh, with such an intense and important topic in the world today. I mean, it has all the makings to be a great performance. So I'm very excited for it. Um, thank you, Lua. <laughs> thank you so much for taking your time and having this chat with me. And would you like to remind us when when the play is happening, how much are the tickets, and where you can find all the information you need? So Inheritance is uh, from March 3rd to the 15th at the Annex Theater. Um, the tickets are uh, $19, 29 and 39 so it's based on where you want to sit. So... Come on down and see inheritance. Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much, and I'm excited to see it. <laughs> bye bye. Me, t- me too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, guys. We're back. Um, sorry i just had a really funny thing um i accidentally licked the mic because i was i had my tongue out and i turned my head really fast because you know why wouldn't you have your tongue out anyway um unfortunately i wasn't able to see this play um because i had a little emergency but everything's good now but unfortunately wasn't able to go see it but it is still running um until March 11th. So if you do get a chance, March 15th, sorry. Um, so if you do get a chance to see it, this is a really great play. Well, it sounds like a really great play. And I'm, I'm really excited to go on a later date. And maybe you could do a review live at some later time. And then one thing that I thought was that really rang true with this play um, is what one of the playwrights said. Um, his name is Daryl Dennis, and he said, "I think that what we're trying to do is show multifaceted views, and because the audience the audience chooses the story, they're inherently being shown that every day is a choice. And I think the idea of saying every day is a choice is very important because with a lot of things, and especially in the current climate and climate, not the actual climate change, but that too, um, in the current situation that we live in." It's it's sometimes it's so easy to at times feel that whatever choices you make don't really have an impact, but change is an everyday choice. Change is those small moments that you know you consciously want to do different. And also the fact that this is play, which deals with these really heavy topics, is a comedy. <laughs> it's just very intriguing in general. Um, like how do you make such a difficult topic funny? Not sure. Um, I'm hopefully I'll find out, <laughs> and I hope you do. Fi- you find it out, and you find it funny. It does sound very interesting. That's why we are so excited about it. Um, and so, Inheritance is playing at the Anex Theater that is downtown, March third to fifteenth. Um, um, well, it's an alley theater and Touchstone Theater and co-production with association from the Vancouver Moving Theatre Community in partnership with the Vancouver Operational Friendship Centre. And it's a choose-your-own-price ticket, which is really nice, ranging from 39 to 29 to 19 although $19 tickets are at limited quantity. Um, the show is running from Tuesday to Saturday at 7.30 p.m., Wednesdays at 1 p.m., Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. And there are facilitated talkbacks after every performance, so you get to even, like, 
you know, experience more of the show. And now we're going to go into a quick PSA and ad break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Riot Girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thought about going abroad to study, work, volunteer, or learn a new language? Mark Tuesday, March 3rd in your calendar and get down to the Vancouver Convention Center East Building to find out how. All the experts under one roof, top universities, gap year specialists, and student travel organizations. Feature seminar starts at 1 p.m. and expo opens at 2 p.m. Admission is free. Check online at www.studyandgoabroad.com for more info. Oh my lord, I need a creative outlet. How on earth can I channel everything that's inside of me? You know you can do that at CITR and Discorder, right? Pardon me? Yeah, you can illustrate for Discorder magazine or take photographs of events and artists and they can teach you how to use Photoshop in their media lab. That is so exhilarating. It fills my soul with lightning. Yeah, just email volunteer at citr.ca and they can help you get started or just come into the station whenever. I wouldn't miss it for the world. And hello, we're back. Uh, So Sarah... What is Riot Girls? So, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's a feature film. So it's a very interesting one. So this film is set in 1995. Okay. And the premise is that a mysterious illness wipes out the entire adult population. Ooh, that so, does sound fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, you know... The, teens the kids that are left uh left behind and they split themselves into two groups slash gangs and so a vicious war ensues between these two rival gangs over you know territory resources and survival so and i got to interview lauren grant who is the producer of the movie this movie and they're showing this um movie riot girls at the vancouver international women in film festival very exciting i mean it is today is national women's day for canada right and then international women's day is on the 8th yeah so genuinely only knew about the international one yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. sadly (laughs) but yeah so like right on theme yeah it is also like it's very you know amazing because the director does is a woman the screenplay is by a woman the producers it's like all hands-on women i love an all-female cast (laughs) i love an all-female production um this actually this is reminds me a little bit of um level 16 which is also a dystopic um Mm. film which was so good okay and if anyone ever has a chance to watch it please go watch it because it's probably one of the best films i've ever seen um like dystopic films i've ever seen but anyway that's a whole side note um let's listen to this interview Hello, everybody. I'm Saja, and today I'm here with the producer, Lauren Grant, who is um, the producer of Riot Girls. Hi, Lauren. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself a little? Sure, yeah. I'm Lauren Grant. I'm a producer now in Toronto, originally from BC. I miss it there. Um, and my company focuses on telling stories with underrepresented talent. Um, and Rag Girls is premiering at the Vancouver International Women's Film Festival this week. Yeah, that's amazing. That's what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> and could you tell us a little bit about Riot Girls, what it's about? Yeah, I think Riot Girls, to me, the short version is it's a, it's a punk, you know, a teen queer punk apocalypse movie. You know, it, it's having fun. It's set in a world where adults have all died off. Mm-hmm. And it has a bit of a Lord of the Flies vibe. And it's really about these two girls figuring out how to survive and how their relationship grows and how they have to cross the deadly town to rescue one of their brothers. Wow. <laughs> um, and so I want to ask, as the producer... What did your job entail? So was the script for the Riot Girls given to you and then you decided to, you know, make it into a reality? Or did you have the idea and then you found a team and went from there? 
Yeah, so the Spy Girls was written by Catherine Collins, mm-hmm. uh, who's a fantastic writer. She and I met at the Canadian Film Center many, many years ago, and she was developing a movie that eventually became Riot Girls. Mm-hmm. And I heard it there and loved it, so it's very much her idea from her creative brain. Mm-hmm. She's now a writer on Lost in Space, but she was in Vancouver. And uh, I read it, and I kind of couldn't forget about it, but early on in my career, it felt you know, too big of a movie for my first feature. And, and then I made some other films, uh, Picture Day and Wet Bum, which both premiered at TIFF. Mm-hmm. And I this script sort of came back around to me. And it was around a time where Catherine was sort of ready to, you know, put it in a drawer and she developed it and it had opened doors for her, but it hadn't been able to get made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was incredibly pregnant at the time and said, <laughs> I can't work on this this instant, but let me take it on. I really think it's a great story and great movie and it's fun and and I have seen so many movies set in this world but never with young queer leads mm-hmm. and I would love that I would I think we should make films that represent the the, the real world and the vast world that the populations that we have so yeah mm-hmm. so I took it on from there and and we attached Yvanka Vukovic who I had known some of her short film work was really excited she's like a know genre aficionado as a former editor of Remark and, and she came on board and really liked the script and saw what we saw and we sort of built it out from there with all the financing and you know get finding all your creative and business partners mm-hmm. yeah sounds great and how long has this um, film been in the making Catherine and I went to the Canadian Film Center in 2006 so it's okay. been a little while oh, wow. um but I really took it on in, you know, late late 2015, and okay. Yvonka came on board in 2016, and we shot at the very end of 2017. So actually, once we kind of became a team, it moved actually pretty quickly mm-hmm. in film world standards. Yeah. Oh, it's, been, it's been longer than I thought it would, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, there's a lot in the background of making movies that we don't know. <laughs> and so how was working with everybody with the s- screenwriter and the director because I, I'm guessing you spent a lot of time with them I did yeah I think you know producing is definitely one of the jobs I think people understand less people know what writers do and directors do and mm-hmm. cinematographers and editors but producing is very much a creative job or can be a creative job and that's the way I work mm-hmm. and it's also a business job. So, you know, I think those pieces are so integral and connected. So, yeah, I worked very closely with Catherine and Ivanka. Ivanka came on board and had some ideas with the script. Catherine hadn't worked on the script in a little while and had new ideas. And, and we really focused on, you know, bringing the script to life in the way we envisioned it mm-hmm. and adding elements that we felt that previous development had maybe removed. And, yeah, we wanted Catherine to be really proud of it. it and Yvonka to be really excited about it. It was Catherine's first produced feature film, oh, despite okay. being very successful in television. Yeah, and it's Yvonka's first feature film. So it was a big, it was, a, it was ambitious. It was small and big at the same time and ambitious. But yeah, I was very involved with the creative, in the casting process throughout, um, and then hiring all our key creatives, which are primarily women. Uh-huh. We have a very fantastic male composer who's nominated for Canadian Screen Awards, which is an awesome job. But otherwise, all our key creatives are women. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> we love representation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I wanted to ask, this movie is set in 1995, right? Mm-hmm. And so was it difficult to work with that time difference? It's funny that it's, you know, 1995 is, is really a, is a period film. We yeah. don't, I think, it's hard to think about it that way. I was alive then. Um, but, yeah, so for us, we wanted the world to, we always j- talked about it internally as the this apocalypse, this disease came mm-hmm. um, in 1991. We always like to say it was the summer before Nirvana's Nevermind came out. So that transition of music has not happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, you may or may not get from the film. You'll definitely get the references. It's a lot of late 80s music because to us, the world ended in 91. We're a few years into this world and, you know, time has passed. And now these sort of 
factions have, have really established themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's fun. I also think it's it's an interesting process to make films without cell phones, which obviously our world wouldn't have had them even if we said it modern day, we would have had them not working. But mm-hmm. there is a nostalgia, I think, for that. Um, obviously, you see all the Stranger Things and a ton of 80s shows. Yeah. I think we, I think as adults, it's hard to imagine what our lives would have been like as teenagers yeah. if it was present day. And I think every generation feels that way. So for us, it was a fun challenge, but it also spoke to our youth, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that sounds really nice. And so Riot Girls is actually a special presentation in the From Our Dark Side program in the Vancouver International Women in, Festival, Fil- Women in Film Festival. And so I want to ask um, what this um, special presentation entails. Yeah, I was really honored. You know, the film is included there, and I was really honored to get the request. They reached out to me before Christmas mm-hmm. saying, you know, we love the movie, and we would love for not only you to come and do a screen film, but also to do a creative workshop about producing genre films in Canada, especially with female creative. Mm-hmm. You know, the festival has their From the Dark Side program, so it has, I'm pretty sure it's five directors. I'm also going to get to meet with all of them. And, uh, yeah, it's an honor. It's always nice. It's, you know, I went to UBC. I'm from BC. There's a something fun about being back in my town to share a film that I made. Yeah. Uh, and both uh, Paloma Kwiatkowski and Jay Freeze, who plays Scratch and Sony, they're both from BC. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice to be with, with them um, and share the film with the Vancouver audiences and see it on the big screen. I always tell people, like, watch it on the big screen and play it really loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if people um, come to the special presentation, they can um, meet you slash um, listen to you. You're going to be in the workshop, too? Yeah. So uh, the special presentation, I'll be doing a Q&A. I'll introduce the film and do a Q&A after. And okay. I'm hoping to wrangle a couple other special guests that are in town, some of our key creatives and talent. And then the next day on Thursday, I am doing uh, a workshop, you know, a case study of bringing the movie from script to screen, which will be really fun. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, yeah. Nice. And um, so would you like to remind us when and where people can see Riot Girls and also, again, when your um, script to screen workshop is? Yeah, so Riot Girls, you can come join us at the Vancouver International Women's Film Festival Wednesday, March 4th at 9 p.m. at Van City Theatre. Mm-hmm. I will be there with some guests. And the script to screen workshop is Thursday, March 5th, also at the Van City at, this is terrible, I want to say 9 a.m., but it's a time change, so I'm not sure I put it in my calendar properly. I'm pretty okay. sure. It's definitely on their website, and I will be there, and I'm prepped. My PowerPoint and clips are ready. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, do you have anything else you would like to add? No, I think I think the festival's amazing. I think it's great to come out and support, you know, female creative talent, and these festivals are important, as we watched another year, you know, of Oscars that had no female directors nominated you know i think the best way people can support these kind of movies is to be honest is to vote with your dollars and go watch them and see them and seek them out there's so much amazing talent around the world and i think these festivals help shine a light on that it's exciting i'm really grateful to be there it is it is very exciting well thank you so much for talking with me taking the time out of your day and yeah it's been great thank you no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And um, have a nice day. Thanks, you too. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and we're back. Hi, hi. So um, this sounds really interesting. I kind of want to go see Riot Girls. You should. I should, right? <laughs> also, um, she also said after our interview, yeah. so um, you couldn't hear it, um, that you can see it um online too i don't really remember where but i will look into it and i will tweet about it for sure yeah um also i want to um remind slash um correct the information for the workshop because she said that there was a time change for the workshop she's leading which is a script to screen genre producing in canada 
Um, so it's going to be from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. apparently Thursday, March 5th. So it's tomorrow. And it's at the Vincity Theater. So, yep. That's, yeah, that's, that's it. it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, it's not 9 a.m. It's 10 a.m. Oh, should... thank God. Because 9 a.m. was a. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. You should. I feel like that's really interesting. Like, I would have gone. But, you know, classes. Classes. <laughs> All right, thing. Yeah. That's fair. So. Well, and then speaking of performance by females, uh, I mean, again, International Women's Day is coming up. Yes. Um, I'd also like to give a shout out to this really interesting play I came across um, featured by Boca de Lupo called Broken Tailbone. And the reason I want to give it a shout out is because, again, with like like with the inheritance with like inher- i don't know like like with <laughs> i'm <Grammar>. trying <laughs> what is grammar like with inheritance um it's a very unique approach to theater mm-hmm. um it's not about choosing an adventure but you are dancing while she's performing what yeah <laughs> what? so in Broken Tailbone, Carmen Aguirre leads a public Latin American dance lesson, which is woven with hilar- hilarious stories of her experiences in the hidden world of dance halls in Canada. Oh so while you're like getting a la- lesson in, you know, probably salsa or some Latin dance, you get to see her perform. And so like you're moving and hearing and like it's like a one woman show, but not really because she's also teaching while she's doing it. This is and amazing. Yeah. I yeah I'm <laughs> I've been listening to Law with my mouth open, <laughs> and so, so good. the performance really consists of an extended salsa lesson that flows into the remarkable stories of intimacy, politics, culture, and the forgotten origins of salsa, N- not the sauce, the dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice clarification. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and everyone in the audience dances as the evening swiftly transforms into one of those dance halls Carmen wisely describes in English and or Spanish. And it uh, bringing us deeply into one of Canada's most unique milieus, the Latinx dance halls that many people have never heard of. I am Latinx and I have never heard about them. And now I really want to, you know, explore them more. Um, I'm really curious about this and I really want to go see it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I'll be able to make it. Um, so it's happening from March 11th to the 14th. So, again, one of those things that you don't see that often. Yeah. Like, it's a one-time I would have never thought about combining dance and theater, but here you go. There, yep, there you go. And it sounds we should go together. Yes. We should go together. We would have so much fun and be each other's partners. Yes. Okay, we're, let's do this. Yes, we're, we're gonna this. do this. We're gonna do this. We're gonna totally do this. We'll post about it on our social media. <laughs> oh yeah, and just us being awkward and yeah. be like <laughs> dancing. It's salsa dancing for the first time, a classical ballerina and a contemporary. <laughs> <laughs> No, I actually know how to salsa dance. But yeah, well. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we're going to go into a quick ad and PSA break. And when we come back, um, I'd like to... T- we're, we're first, we're going to do a review. Yes. Um, what are we doing a review about? Um, a dance show of a group. Brazilian dance group, actually. Cool. More Latinx stuff. Do you want to pronounce the name yourself? Um, Grupo Corpo. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it was a good dance show and we're going to review it. <laughs> and cool. Um and then after that, we're going to do a little recap, not really ca- recap because it hasn't happened, yeah. but like talk about talk about get the word out there. Of Vancouver International Dance Festival, which is always a very exciting oh God, time yes. for us. So much so many dances like now right now because of the both the festival and then I don't know, I feel like it's just the more. season for dancing. Yeah, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds perfect. Yes. Well, um let's hear those quick ads and PSAs and when we're back we're gonna do all that cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Giselle, what are you doing March 14th? Nothing, Oren. What are you doing? Well, I'm glad you asked. CITR and Timber Concerts present Pale Hound. Pale Hound? Where? At the Fox Cabaret, with special guest, Adult Mom. Tickets are available at timberconcerts.com. Feeling lost in the lonely, meaningless cyberweb? Looking to connect with other users? 
then plug in to a CITR collective. Meet users who are compatible with your interests and passions. CITR's mainframe offers nine unique collectives. News, arts, accessibility, sports, persons of color, indigenous, gender empowerment, LGBTQ2SIA+, and music affairs. CITR collectives are where you can make great radio, great friends, and avoid the abject loneliness of life in the cyber void. That was probably one of the weirdest PSAs I've ever heard. Yes. But you know what? It had a great message like, join our collective. Yes, join the Arts Collective. Again, the Arts Report is a collective. Everyone's welcome to join. Yes, we have a lot of fun here. I don't know if you can tell <laughs> by our constant laughing, but... <laughs> um, so, Grupo Corpo, um, the performance... How, how would you say it in Italian? <laughs> Grupo Corpo. <laughs> <laughs> Very cute stuff. Um, so, Grupo Corpo, like, we talked about this... Uh, a little bit last show it was a performance divided into two each one about 45 minutes long with a 20 minute intermission in the middle and so the first one was the first one was <laughs> that's a great question <laughs> it was give um, me a second and i'll tell you <laughs> i i believe it was dança sinfonica so like symphonic symphonic oh, dance yes it was which was a combination yeah. of 40 years of grupo corpus history condensed into like one show yeah and the second one was gira and gira yeah. was inspired by umbanda which is um brazilian slash african religion um yeah and so mm-hmm. let's start with the dança dança sinfonica. Sinfonica. yes what do you think? I thought it was great. Okay. <laughs> Hear me out. So nowadays, I feel like a lot of dance, Yeah, I mean, like, there is still, of course, every type of dance is different. And but I feel like the type of dance that we see right now is more abstract. It's become more abstract rather than more, you know, um, fluid and organic and i don't know like flows let's say like this one danza sinfonica it flowed i really liked how they incorporated like you could see that there was a base of ballet in there which i really enjoyed it was a very strong ballet base but they made it very unique yes yes they did i i mean personally i am biased because i was i i am a ballerina but what I enjoyed is that it wasn't pure ballet too it was like in between that modern slash contemporary dance and ballet it was like a good balanced mix I think a good way to describe it would be almost lyrical yes almost lyrical that's a good way good job (laughs) (laughs) Um, because it didn't go into that lyrical realm where it's very like so fluid and yeah. so like you know kind you of like know. deconstruct the movement mm-hmm. but it did kind of flirt with it yeah it yeah, flirted with little... with that a little bit um and it also flirted with a little bit with like well not flirted with ballet but like it did incorporate all these different elements what i did found really interesting was the connection between the dancers that was just beautiful to yes. see what's happening oh. um there's <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> there's someone outside talk, trying to talk to me, and I'm like trying to, I don't know, I'm like doing a live show right now, I'm talking to you. Um, but where was I? You were talking about how the dancers were connected with each other. Of course. Um, <laughs> so the connection between the dancers was really interesting to see because, you know, dancing by yourself and dancing in a group is one thing. Yeah. Um, but dancing literally physically constantly touching another yeah. person is a completely different thing and it's a completely different experience and to see um the way they interacted especially they did it have a clear distinction between male and female dancers yeah. um in costume and everything and like specifically in costume which kind of like dictated everything mm-hmm. else and there were like so many jumps and turns and twists oh my God. and like just like constant like physical connection at every point they were touching each other and i thought was that was so interesting and so intent to see that story unfold without ever disconnecting yes and also can i say something the lifts they did i don't know how they managed their because okay yes dancers have a lot of control over their body 
But these people had so much control over their bodies. I don't know how. It's not humanly possible. Which, <laughs> it is humanly possible. I mean, possible. apparently it is. I didn't think it was. And which made the lifts seem like it, they looked really easy. And, I was and they like, looked oh, like they were suspended from yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. They weren't. <laughs> no, they weren't. It was... I don't, I'm just amazed by how seamlessly all of the lifts and turns were done considering how hard they were actually i think overall um Danza Sinfonica was incredible for three main reasons um first it flowed incredibly well from oh, yeah. one oh, sure. to the other yes. like you could distinctly tell that these were different performances or different numbers mm-hmm. um but the way it flowed from like one entrance to the next, yeah, there was never was really a, a cut. There was never a moment where like the set went black. There was never a moment where you're pulled back from that moment. Yeah. One thing I hate, I'm sorry I cut you off, <laughs> is like during dance performances, um, the stage goes black and then the audience doesn't know if they should clap or not. So like with this, because as you said, it w- everything was connected so well, no one had that confusion. <laughs> Which is good. Yeah. It can be awkward. Yeah. <laughs> start clapping and like the lights turn on again. They people start dancing like, oh, ooh, sorry. <laughs> <Never mind. laughs> um, the second reason it was so incredible was because, again, the flu- the fluidity of the movements that didn't become so abstract that it was you you were trying to grasp at straws to understand it Mm -hmm. um it was a beautiful performance that you didn't necessarily need to like have this really conceptual idea behind it to enjoy it i didn't and i enjoyed it (laughs) (laughs) and then the third reason is to me personally was this physical connection between dancers where you know there are there are certain things in dance that are just incredibly hard to do or incredibly hard to do well. Mm-hmm. And one of those things are partnerships and partnerships that um, you can watch and rewatch. And like some of these duos lasted for like 10 minutes. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, maybe not 10 minutes, but what felt really it long. Felt, yeah. Um, and never at one point, never, never did they like breathe really hard because that's another thing that i to me one of my favorite moments in a dance show is when they stop at Mm. one point and then you can see the chest yeah like because like their face is beautiful their face is like very calm and the chest Chest like the chest gives it away right yeah because they're like (sighs) and never during the show did i see that see i'm telling you so much control (laughs) how It, it was it was truly something else it was something out of this world um, I hope Grupo Grupo again, Dance House consistently brings incredible performances yes. to Vancouver and I'm so glad Dance House is such a force here in Vancouver and I hope they keep doing the amazing job they do. Because again, like they've brought so many incredible performances from around the world. I mean yeah, uh, I you saw watched Bangara Dance. Yeah. Bangara Dance is incredible. Yeah. A completely different heritage from Corpo Dance, oh, Co- Grupo sure. Corpo. Yeah. Um. Anyway, there are a, a, a lot more, but these are probably the two most recent ones. And so, my general suggestion is: may, you might not be able to see Grupo Corpo this turn, time around, but keep an eye out for Dance House. They do have some really cool stuff, and their curated content is very well done. Like yeah. they know very well the kind of content and that they are you know bringing about they never disappoint yeah yeah they haven't disappointed me yet and i hope they don't (laughs) and so for jira i'm gonna be (laughs) fully honest um i i enjoyed the first half of jira because (laughs) i'm not gonna speak to the second half because Because I had gotten less than two hours, like two hours, not two hours, but like around three to four hours of sleep that night. And I was really exhausted. And the rhythms were really, really natural to me because those are some of the rhythms that I grew up with. So they did feel like a lullaby in my ears. And I might or might have not accidentally... (laughs) Fallen asleep. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say something. You didn't like fully fall asleep because, like, I didn't hear you. You know, 
I don't know, not snore. Of course, you wouldn't snore at a dance show. But like, I didn't feel that you were sleeping. Yeah, well, right? it's like, you kind of dozed off. It's, yeah, I dozed off. And the thing is, like, it wasn't even sleeping it because like I had my eyes open. It's just like my mind wasn't processing what it was mm-hmm. seeing anymore just because I was just so physically tired. Yeah, it was just happening right in front of you. And you were like, I'm like yeah, oh, no, oh, yeah. No. I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> it's blank. But from what I did see. <laughs> Jesus. I felt so bad. Oh God, yeah. Uh, so I saw the whole thing. Thank God. <laughs> From what I did see, um, their use of their costumes was really good. Was Re- really a great, great yeah. use of costumes. I love when, um, you know, you take that aspect that you're like, that's not part of a dance performance. We're so involved in the body, and you take it to the next level where it's like, no, wait. Everything that is on the body that is used with the body objects everything can be part of dance yeah and incorporating costume and incorporating your clothing into dance is one of those things that always like makes me smile yeah they use the they use the skirts really well they did they were very flowy skirts and they yeah. had a lot of turning movements yeah. which again is part of the umbanda tradition for rituals and stuff so that does make sense also they uh used um so for the first performance they didn't use any like people speaking at all during in the music but mm-hmm. for the second one they did and they were speaking portuguese and so i understood it all and i was like oh a whole added layer <laughs> and sarah That's was really like cool. i don't know <laughs> yeah at the, at, at the end of the show i was like um was that portuguese <laughs> like yeah, it was cool um the thing i can remember the most clear uh for the words is because i thought it was so interesting how they used um the onomatopoeia not onomatopoeia, but like the sound of when you say the words mm-hmm. repeatedly to mm-hmm. the point that they lose meaning very yeah. well and uh, by different voices where they kept saying, um, chão seu, chão seu cao, Which means? Which means chão is floor or ground, seu is sky, and cows is chaos. Yeah. So chão seu caos. Which is really funny because like those are three C's pronounced differently. The, through the, those three words start with a C. Yeah, I'm so happy I went to that dance show with a Brazilian person. I know so much more now. <laughs> and it makes sense. Like, yeah, it, it, it does. absolutely made sense um, to have those words being repeated over and over while they were performing that moment in the performance mm-hmm. because um, it was very much about a connection between, like, this earthly realm and this other realm, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. What did you think, Sarah? I thought, okay, (laughs) in my opinion, I did like Danza Sinfonica more than Gira because it was more of my, you know. I also liked it. It was more to my liking. But the thing is, they were also, you know, they were similar, but also really different at the same time. Like with the costumes straight up, um, the first thing you noticed was how different it was. Like also in Gira, they didn't even use the, like the side you know like backstage curtains i guess because um no one ever left the stage they just went to the sides or the back and sat down and they had this black tool that kind of made them invisible but you you could still see that so i see them so that was really interesting that was like you know differences both you know in um how it was set set and also the dance was different too. Like Jira was um, less ballet-like, but it was still, you know, they had amazing turns, they had amazing lifts, they had, it's just, it was overall, I thought it was very well done. Um, as I said before, their control over their body, just, it's amazing to see that dancers can achieve so much stuff. I don't know how, but I mean, I do know how. I just can't fathom. And it's just, I don't know. Jira was interesting, to say the least, because I was also very confused when, when they first came out <laughs> by the costumes. <laughs> oh, I wasn't, because I, I, I know exactly where the tradition comes from. Oh, see, I uh, don't. That's so why. basically, they kind of stylized the Orisha costume. So Orisha, or gods, um... And they basically they stylize that. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, like I wish I knew that before I went into that um, performance. I feel like next time I go to a dance house, um, 
performance. I need to do more research before. Because, like, at least with Bangara, I knew because we had an interview with the artistic director, right? So, like, but with this one, I didn't know anything. So I went in only knowing that they were from Brazil. So, but I still enjoyed oh. it a lot. I enjoyed it very much. I, I'm very happy I got to see it. They were really good. The music, I thought, was really well picked. Like, I mean both of the in both Dancing Sinfonica and Jira the music was very calming which I think is you know really nice because as I said nowadays with more abstract dancing comes more abstract music and you kind of always asking yourself like what is going on what is you know were they wearing wearing white they were wearing white skirts yeah okay so yeah their necks were um painted painted red. red yeah okay yeah, so basically Umbanda and Candomblé are very similar in some aspects, but also very different. And I'm more, I'm more familiar with Candomblé than Umbanda. Um, and so sometimes I confuse the two. But I, but I haven't said anything that's wrong about Umbanda. <laughs> that's I was, good. I was double checking. <laughs> um, however, their worship of Orishas, the, those gods that I was talking about, um, is a little bit different than the ones for Candomblé. Okay. Yeah. Good anyway, yeah. <laughs> That's just a today. fun fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to end our show today, we're gonna keep talking about dance <laughs> <laughs> because why we not? Ta- we love dance, and yes, a co- love. and in the coming weeks, we're gonna you know keep talking about dance. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> vid. it's so hard to say (laughs) vancouver international dance festival is happening and it's happening until the end of the month and we're very excited about it so if you're looking for something to do this weekend and you're like i want to watch some really cool dance oh you should um, check out vid (laughs) (laughs) yeah so shay kubler slash radical system art is presenting um i'm gonna say it like i would read it in portuguese epilogos (laughs) okay um, which is ep- epilogos. Ep- epilogos? No, epilogos. Oh, yeah, it says, yeah, it's written as epilogos. So the point in speech where the reader attempts to build an emotional response from the audience. And so that is the name of the performance. Um, I'm actually going to play a little bit of the trailer so you guys can hear a little bit what it sounds like. And so this performance is built around the art of rhetoric and the commodification of morality, which I found really interesting. It's going to be a really conceptual show yeah. with a lot of light work, um, like literally like lights. Light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just like Frontera, if you know that one that we reviewed. Yeah. And so this sounds really interesting. It's happening at the Vancouver Playhouse um, March 6th and 7th. Is that today? No, that's March sixth. No, today's the fourth. Okay. Yeah. So this weekend, <laughs> I'm, I don't know why I'm thinking that it's today. So this weekend. So if you're interested in something like a little bit more conceptual, different, um, interesting. Yeah, it looks this, really. This might be something that you're going to be interested yeah. in. And if this is too, um, <laughs> if you're like, okay, they just keep saying interesting. You can just check out the website and yeah. watch the trailer for yourself and. You'll understand what we're talking about. <laughs> Again, this one was very conceptual. If you're looking for something yeah. that's a little bit less conceptual, um, what would you recommend? Um, honestly, okay. <laughs> Dance, generally, is very it's, yeah. conceptual. So it's a little hard to, you know, recommend something that is not conceptual. <laughs> that's fair. But, you know... I think the the difference of epilogos and something di- else is that epilogos is gonna be like a full show, mm-hmm. where some of Viv's um thing performances are a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Like they vary in size a lot. So also, yeah. a lot of performances are free. So if you're looking for yeah, something for really free, cool. they do have a lot of options. If you're like, I really want to see some dance, but um, I don't have the money for it. Um, specifically the Boogaloo Academy Now or Never crew and the Now or Never crew um, which is happening March 15th 22nd and 22nd and um, so they're going to do performing a mix of hip hop with 
I'm I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a break. It's a, so it's a so it's basically mixing Bungalow Academy, um, which is like a dance academy with Now or Never Crew, which is a high fly energetic hip hop break dancing crew. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a mash of two worlds. Yes. So it should be really fun stuff. Um, and you know it's completely free at the Woodford's Atrium. So if you do have you know, that's nice. If you're looking for something a little bit more accessible that's free, that's something that could also be an option. Yeah, and also they have two performances on Sunday. I get, I think it says like two p.m. and three p.m. Yeah, they so do have two performances. That's like really cool. <laughs> uh, so these are just two of the very many things that are happening at VIP. Uh, we will be continue. We will continue to cover some of this stuff um, over the following weeks, but for today that's it yep until next wednesday (laughs) hope you enjoyed the show see you guys next week um yeah goodbye bye bye wait what i gotta you know play this stuff (laughs) yeah you should